Hello, listeners, and welcome back to another episode of the Pulp Diction Podcast. We have an NFC Championship, an AFC Championship, a Championship Round Podcast for you. After my teaser, your teaser, Gump's teaser, and everyone else's teaser was obliterated by uh, like fucking Bortles, we're, we're valiantly back to discuss the NFL uh, with Tyler Gump. How are you, Tyler? Good, man. How are you? I'm reeling. Um, I felt so good about this teaser, and it was like, it was one of those where I'd get more money back than I bet, so I shouldn't have felt that good about it coming to fruition, but, I mean, that was the bet. Steelers plus one and a half or whatever I had, or minus one. That was the one I was most confident in. And just, I did not expect to lose that one. That was the one that everyone was most confident in. Yeah, that lost me mine. Um, that was crazy. I mean, it was Blake Bortles plus, uh, you know, some uh, Mike Tomlin play calling plus, you know, Ben, Rother- ben Roethlisberger, you know, audibling out of, you know, fourth and ones where he should just lean his big ass body forward uh it was a it was a team effort but uh i feel for you man it was you were not alone yeah i mean i guess we should start with that game it was the whole year the whole year i've had one note on the steelers everything i say about them the first thing i say is they're bummish they make bummish (laughs) decisions they underachieve they don't do what they should do for a lot of the time and they went down like 21 nothing to blake bortles because they, they let them run down the field on them. Ben threw a pick. They ran it in. You know, they score. They give up another touchdown. And then they're driving to make it 21-14. Ben gets strip-sacked. They run, Jags run it back for a touchdown. It's 28-7. It's like the sky's falling. The Steelers are just clearly the better team. They scored on, you know, two, like, I think they scored on, like, three, like, bummish heaves where it was, like, one-on-one coverage and Ben just hucked it, and their players were so good they made a play. Two and Antonio they still Brown. lost. Yeah. Yeah. Was, I mean, if you ran that computer simulation uh, 10,000 times on Madden, that's not going to happen. The, the Jags are not going to win 45-42 uh, or anywhere close to that. Um, yeah, I uh, can't believe they gave up 45 points. Yeah, I mean, I want to apologize to the to the uh, the Jags linebackers and safeties who I said they're not as good as you know their cornerbacks. The I mean, Miles Jack is for real. Um, that that interception he had early in the game was just incredible. I mean, he looked like a veteran out there, not like just in the you know a second year you know player with lingering uh, injury issues. But I mean, they were. We'll, we can maybe on offense we can say that the the Steelers are the better team. Yeah, they certainly are. Um, you know, with all their talent, but on defense, I mean, that defense was weirdly in a game where they gave up 42 points, like as advertised, uh, they came up big when it mattered. Um, you're never going to, you're never going to keep the Steelers down for, you know, 60 minutes. Um, they weathered the storm and then Blake Bortles on the other end played well enough. Um, Leonard Fournette came up big again. It's, it's just a wild game. Watching from a bar, it was just, everyone was like, what the hell is going on (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there was just so many, like, like what I keep going back to, I've been, you know, just trying to piece this back together in my head. It's like, all right, you have the worst possible start, right? You come out completely flat. They run down your throat and score. Um, guy makes a great play, picks you off. They run it again. You know, whatever I said, you're down 28-7. They battle back, and they get that awesome touchdown to Martavis Bryant on, like, 4th and 10 to, like, end the half. It's 28-14. They come out in the second half, 
they just start they're cooking on all cylinders they go right down the field and score and it's 28 21 i saw that happen i'm like all right you know weird start bummish dealer team whatever they'll get the dub and no one scored for a quarter mm. and you know that jags defense if you take out the like two deep balls to antonio brown the deep ball to martavis bryant on a fourth down and the garbage time touchdown like if maybe one or two of those go through this is a you know they held the steelers to 21 28 points in a game where the steelers were just running and gunning the whole time and the jags defense scored so like i agree with you they played really well yeah you look um, at those look at those two antonio brown heaves i mean that is perfect coverage that's aj boye who's you know a second team all pro you know keeping the best like you know step for step with the best wide receiver in the league and just antonio brown just does antonio brown things i mean those were nuts those were those were filthy and they were like i think they were both on fourth down like yeah each time each time ben threw it i was just like what are you no what are you doing just lean forward um and only to be bailed out by i mean those are to be fair those were great throws and only a spot where you know the catchable balls that antonio brown just you know his brilliance just helped him catch it yeah i mean ben's a great deep ball quarterback i i just i was so impressed antonio brown i mean he was playing I think three weeks after tearing a calf muscle, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, I like if this were a regular season game, there's no way he's playing. He's healing up for the playoffs. That dude was playing it, you know, definitely playing hurt and playing exceptionally hurt, which is always very impressive. Um, I, yeah, I, I just thought they got so much from Brown. I mean, Ben, you know, he gave up that fumble. I, I kind of blame him for that. He held the ball too long. Yeah, he had a pick. The guy made a pretty good play, but you know Ben goes for 470 yards and five TDs. I mean, good God, that's a huge stat line. But um, <laughs> if you told me he would lose, yeah, to Blake Bortles after throwing, you know, for those numbers, I just this feel like a weird year. I don't the know. Steelers anything. pulled so much out of their ass in this game and still lost. Like I don't understand. Like, did they have a plan? Like, I almost feel like they mm-hmm. just showed up. The plan was to not go down 28-7. to seven. I think they were down 20, 21 nothing, And then that just, I think, it set up just the play action where in, in these the easy screen. Blake Bortles can now throw a screen pass, which was, which was unclear after the Bills game. I mean, He's it been just all allowed, working on it. It opened up, yeah. It opened up so much. Uh, it, it allowed him to play his game, um, which was just the last thing the Steelers wanted. And yeah. the Steelers were on, on defense. They were just, you know, relatedly, like, there wasn't a single player on the, that Steelers defense who you're just like, that guy's good. Like, that guy's really good. Um, they all, none of them showed up. Totally. I mean, I, so I went back and checked. I mean, I, I felt like Shazier was a top three middle linebacker in the league. Certainly their best defensive player. So after he goes down, they kind of rallied around his absence in that Bengals game. You know, whatever. I'll throw that game out. They gave up 38 points to the Ravens, which should have been a pulsating red sign that they weren't a good defensive team. They gave up 27 to the Pats, which is like a decent showing, honestly. Um, but in a game that the Pats, I think, kept a lot of things close to the chest. Um, they gave up six to, you know, I don't even know who the Texans were starting at quarterback. It might have been me. And then they gave up <laughs> 24 to the Browns. Um, so, like... You almost didn't really ever get to see if this was a real defense after they lost Shazier. And, you know, I think it was clear 
they couldn't stop the run, and because they couldn't stop the run, then Bortles could, you know, eke out his 220 yards or whatever he did. Um, I mean, <laughs> like, for the, all the Bortles truthers out there, I mean, he had, you know, his stat line was decent, you know, 200-something yards, a touchdown. His touchdown, the team was so sold out on the run. I think the tight end was open by, like, 10 yards on all sides, and it was like a 15-yard pass, and the dude walked it in. Yeah. So let's not... That's like his longest pass of the day. Let's not tire ourselves off, you know, tire ourselves out, jerking ourselves off over that Bortles pass. He's still terrible. No, most of his passes were screen passes, you know, to, like, P.J. Yeldon. It's, it's smart passes and, like, giving exactly what the Steelers gave him, which was a shockingly, you know, large amount of just easy passes that, you know, that you or I could hit. But um, he took what they gave him. Um, no, he was not spectacular by any means. But, yeah, no, going back to Shazier, like, again, Blake Bortles is he's a big athletic guy. That's his best trait. And they just couldn't, you know, he just, and he scrambled. Um, and they couldn't, they didn't have an answer for that. They didn't have anyone to spy. I mean, they couldn't spy because, you know, you need them to cover, like, all the other people who they somehow had struggled covered. Yeah. I, I mean, I just keep going back to it's 28-21. You're right there. And they couldn't score for, like, a quarter and a half. Yeah, just, yeah. you're just looking at the clock. You're looking at the clock being like, okay, and now. And, okay, well, not that time. And, like, they get the ball back again. And it's like, okay, now. Nope, nope. They get stuffed on fourth down again. Like, uh, you know, they pitch it out to, to Le'Veon Bell on, like, a fourth and one. Like, like you throw it five yards beyond the line. You, it's, the play calling was so it I mean, was so infuriating. You, just, you look um, at that team, and it's like you have – Two number one receivers. I mean, you have the best receiver in football and probably the best receiver since, you know, I don't know. Like, the best receiver since in Antonio Brown. You have Latavis Bryant, who should be a number one option. That's bizarrely their third option. You have Juju, who's already, like, a budding, like, really good wide receiver. Eli Rogers should be, like, someone's second or third option. He's your fourth guy. And then you have Le'Veon Bell, who's like the best pass catching back and the best running back in the game. You got a good line. Like, <laughs> why can't you score for a quarter and a half? I don't get it. I don't know. I don't. Uh, oh, the, the early for the first quarter, at least, where they just look like, oh my god, like these guys can shut out. Um, wild game. I... Long time. Um, crazy game. Yeah, so I've been reading some stuff. Two Steelers questions, then we'll move on to a different game. I've been reading some stuff that there's some internal pressure for Tomlin to go. Um, what do you think of Tomlin as a coach? I think it was exactly what we were saying. He's a rah-rah guy. He's just... Routinely makes really boneheaded decisions. X's and O's, I think he's there's leaves a lot to be desired. Um, and then in terms of game management, I don't think he had to go for that onside kick when he did. Um, I think they had multiple timeouts left, plus the two-minute warning. Yeah, that strikes me as a kick a deep moment. Yeah, yeah. And just trust your defense. Granted, the defense is not the... Yeah, you're kind of cutting out a bit. Your defense isn't playing well. Yeah, it's, it's an extremely low percentage, you know, 
uh, try when you don't necessarily have to do that. Like trust your defense to you know to get a three and out. Um, and I, I think he's I don't know I don't know man he's his success I mean he's won a Super Bowl, um, and he routinely gets them to you know to the playoffs and you know off into the AFC Championship game. But like that is just they you know Belichick has their number, um, and they can't like they can't win the big game. Um, and they, but they certainly have, but it's not for lack of talent. So no, I'm not, I'm not high on Mike Tomlin. Yeah. I'm, I'm still really low. Like those guys play really hard for him, which is cool. But if you're not giving me any sort of specialization, other side of the ball, like I don't think Tomlin is in there giving great defensive tips like Belichick does. I don't think he's in there on offense, giving great offensive tips. Like, you know, I don't know what Sean Payton does or like running the offense like a Sean Payton does. Like, you kind of have to nail the, like, culture, coming to play, decision-making stuff. And, like, we just talked about, like, there are just a ton of, like, things where they were unprepared or made shitty decisions. And you just have to wonder, like, you know, is this roster just so talented that it's overcoming crappy game planning and coaching? Or, you know, are these guys just really playing their hearts out for Tomlin and it's overcoming some tactical missteps? I definitely think Tomlin is is holding them back a bit, um, which is sad to say. But, I, you know, I just feel like this, they need a different coach in there. Um, yeah. And I, I also feel like they might have missed their shot, which um, this is going to be my second question. You know, Le'Veon Bell made some news last week for, you know, basically saying – look, I will not play under a franchise tag. I need to be paid like I deserve to be paid. And if you won't, like, I'll retire. Like, I don't care. It's basically what he said. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's very clearly not going to do what he did this year and just kind of flake on his holdout and come play on the on the cheap deal. Um, do you – two questions. One, do you think they get Le'Veon Bell back? And two, you know, if Le'Veon Bell leaves, is this still – you know, another another year passes. Ben's a year older. Whatever, whatever. No Shay's year next year, obviously, because he can barely feel his legs. Is this still the second best team in the AFC when next year rolls around? Hmm. Okay. First question. I think they do get Le'Veon back because Ben, I believe, announced that he's back next year. And if you don't have him, they, I think they're going to go all in on next year. Um, and. You know, just say, you know, 2019 be damned. Or like 2018 is that like, could be our last shot. Um and it is did he was the second question if he if he were he to leave? Um my second still be- question is do you think they'll be the second best team in the AFC next year? Assuming the Pats are gonna be the best again because they're the Pats. Yes, I I certainly am with you on that one. Um second best team well, it's uh, there's so many other factors. I mean, I think they'll be in the discussion for sure. Who knows how much Ben Roethlisberger will reg- regress, you know, from to next year, considering he's regressed considerably, um, you know, to this year. Uh, I mean, Jackson. I mean, the weird thing is like, if Jacksonville gets a quarterback, Jacksonville could make it to the Super Bowl. They could win a Super Bowl, and you know, still be like, we won this in spite of Bortles. Like, we can get a good quarterback. Um, and there, they would be a, like a very hot, I think free agent spot or, um, they could be good next year. They could, if they get a quarterback, regardless, they're going to be good next year. I'm trying to think like who else, 
Chiefs, you know, had they kept Kelsey and, um, and you know, Eric Berry, not Terra's Achilles and, you know, in the third quarter of the first game this year, like they're up there. I don't know. I think they're, they're I think they're top five, but I, yeah. I can't see being, uh, you know, getting, you know, the, another first round buy again. I think, I think Ben is too shaky um, to say nothing of, you know, if Le'Veon Bell leaves, I know I really don't like that at all. I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, I so I think there's a real chance he leaves. I think some team that you know wants to sell more jerseys is going to lob a, an offer at him. I think the Steelers will will let him go to free agency. I don't think they'll tag him um, after how bold he was about not playing on the tag, and I think he'll sign elsewhere because I mean he deserves to be paid at a really high level, and I don't think the Steelers want to pay him that. Um, but at the same time, I kind of like the guy the Steelers drafted this year to replace Bell in theory, or at least give them insurance on Bell, uh, John Connor. Um, it's a pick guy, runs really hard. You know, I think he'll be solid. And, you know, I, I think this team will, I mean, they're going to bring all the same guys back, whether they fire Tomlin or not. I don't think it'll change too much. And they'll, you know, it looks like their division is crappy and will remain crappy. Um, I think they'll win their division and get in the playoffs. But, you know, I think it's fair to wonder at this point how much is left in the in Ben's tank. Um, they'll definitely lose Martavis Bryant, I think. Um, it'd be insane to keep him after how this year went with him. And Yeah. Um, you know, we'll see. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I really – I love Le'Veon Bell, so it sucks to say this, but if you're, like – kind of looking at football analytically it makes no sense to be the person who pays really high for a running back's past performance they just age in dog years and they get hit 400 times a year i get no i get both sides of it i get how you know Le'Veon doesn't wants to you know to guarantee his future although they i think actually if i'm wrong i think they did give him like a pretty big offer before and he said no to it yeah he said no to like 15 or something a year like like a really high running back number really high yeah um, I know I completely get both sides um, and maybe like enough bad blood has built up between both sides to, you know, sort of make any, you know, future negotiations impossible. Um, I understand. Yeah. I mean, it, it would be, who knows, maybe they can give him like a three year higher guaranteed money um, and just really sort of like go all in, you know, on the next year or two. Um, but no, I'm not, I, I would say it's, it's far from set in stone. And as you said, Mark Davis, Brian is gone. Um. Yeah, yeah, and that defense. I mean, they have some nice young pieces. Like I really like T.J. Watt. Um, as a player, I don't. I mean, as a football player, I don't really like him as a person. I don't find him that interesting. But he seems like he's gonna be a good football player. They have good pieces. Um, I like what you said about Eric Berry. I hadn't thought about that. Um, with Andy Reid, especially after he blew that Titans game, it's tough to get too excited, but. You know, that's a team that won, you know, 11 games, could have easily won 12 and lost their best player in week one. Yeah, I don't want to spend too much time on the Chiefs, but, like, yeah. also, remember all the talk about Patrick Mahomes being the guy there. Like, maybe they look at, at – maybe this is the, the year that they ship um, – I don't know if he's a free agent or not, Smith. I think he might be. I don't, I don't know his contract status either, but – I think he might be, but regardless I – mean, um, Quarterbacks I mean, who can they, walk and chew gum have a market. Yeah, exactly, and he's certainly he would be near the top of the market along with like it'd be like him, Kirk Cousins, um, you know, a couple Keenum. other Case Keenum, Case Keenum, yeah, yeah. Um, let's, let's hit the other games on that note. Um, yeah. I don't want to talk about Pat's Titans. Pat's won by a lot. Um, I don't 
have too much to say about Eagles Falcons unless you have a quick point on that. Um, let's see, Eagles Falcons. Kind of played out how I thought it would. Like you were right. You were right. Uh, yeah. No, Falcon. Just they just their offense could never. They always look shaky. The Eagles reminded us that not not that we needed reminding, but like they are. They're one, you know, Carson Wentz injury away from being, you know, the hands down favorite in the NFC. Um, that team is really, really good, and their lines, both like offensive and defensive line, came up big. Um, Nick Foles did enough. You know, the read pass option was working for them all game. JJ's stat line wasn't all that impressive, but I mean, the, like I think he went like 15 carries for 54 yards, but like a lot of those times were him like eking out like two, three, four extra yards where there weren't any. Um, yeah. Overall, overall, um, I was impressed by the, I was impressed by the Eagles. Like in Foles is, you know, he's good enough. Um, and just, I was bummed. I was bummed. The Falcons couldn't figure it out. I mean, I really missed that offense from last year and just Sarkeesian never, never got him firing on even close to, uh, all cylinders. Is it kosher to make a Sarkeesian alcohol jokes? Absolutely. On this podcast, absolutely. (laughs) He is like an alcoholic. He's like sought treatment for it, so I feel kind of bad. At the same time, I find it really funny that someone who's proved themselves this untrustworthy at multiple positions is still getting hired to like very high-ranking football positions. Um, Yeah. I guess it's fair to make fun of Arthur Blank. Like, I mean, this offense was run by a drunkard, and there's no other way to say it. I mean, they had a team that walked out and scored 30 points a game. And admittedly, Kyle Shanahan was, you know, is a top coordinator in football. But, I mean, good God, this offense just looks shitty, like, all the time. They're just running these weird plays. You know, they shouldn't, like, the defense got better. How did this team get so much worse? Like, they shouldn't be eking out 10 points. No. Yeah, it shouldn't, it should have been, um, no, you had to get more than 10 points. Um, you know, even Foles can get you 10 points. So you had to get more than that. Um, I mean, you do some like digging into it. Their offensive line was healthy for all 16 games last year, like, which is unprecedented. Um, there, what else? I mean, there was bound to be some regression to the mean. That was an all time offense. They were the best first down offense of all time. Um, so we're not saying the, like the problem wasn't that they weren't the same as last year. The problem was that they weren't anything close to the last year. Um, and just the creativity went out the window. I mean, you see it on that, uh, you know, on that final drive where like the hit was it, they hit like their third, uh, was it the third running back, like not Devonte Freeman or Tevin Coleman, you know, for a, for a shovel pass, <laughs> like what is he doing on the field? And then the fourth down, the fourth down one granted Julio Jones fell. Um, which who knows? And, and, you know, you had a, him in single coverage. You know, he's a, like the freakiest athlete, uh, you know, on the field, maybe in the league. Like it went through his hands. It was not a great pass, but like give him 10 tries. Maybe he catches it, you know, three, four times. I know. Um, like you but and I the, can dial up that play, right? We can be like, Julio, run five yards, Matt, throw it. Really yeah. High. Like that's, Absolutely. A, that's not a play. And, and the Eagles were apparently on the field. They knew exactly what was going to happen because the Falcons split the fullback out on the left side, which means that they knew that that Matt Ryan was going to like there was going to be no no um, no receivers going out on the left. They were all going to block, and he was just going to he was just going to run to the right. Um, so basically, you cut your field off, uh, you know, cut the field in half, you know, on a fourth, you know, on, on the most important play of the season. Um, so. I was bummed to see him go. I was uh, I was high on the Falcons. I kept on waiting for them to just like dial it in all year, 
and they sort of did against the Rams, but they just couldn't, you know, overcome just like the lingering problems in this game. Yeah, totally agree. Um, you know, Foles was fine. The Eagles controlled the line of scrimmage a bit, uh, got some tough yards, and the Falcons' offense was way worse than I thought it would be. Um, let's talk. Uh, let's talk Viking Saints though before we get into the the uh, championship slate. Uh, I said I think this is the game I predicted the best, even though I talked you into Saints plus four and a half, a bet that ended up losing. Was it four and a half or five? I had it at four and a half. I, could, I think I, you I had it remember. at five. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, when I put it down on my sheet, it was four and a half. What a push. I mean, basically what I said to you was this game is a complete toss-up. I'm grabbing the points. And then I distinctly remember saying, I think the Saints get to 24 points which means Case Keenum's going to have to score 30. Can he score 30? And, if, you know, they actually kick the extra point at the end of the game, they score 30. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, part of me, like, that was such a cool moment. Part of me just wants to, like, bask in it and be like, wow, the Vikings are so good, you know, yada, yada, yada. But I'm going to be a cynic. Case Keenum was 24 of 39 for 250 yards and a pick on that before that last play of the game. And they throw an 18-yard out, and Keenum could be heard saying after the game, we ran that play three times. What were they expecting? <laughs> he just – it wasn't like a rope either. He, like, hangs it. Diggs has to go up and catch it. Diggs makes a great play on the ball. If that safety tackles him in bounds, which he could have, like, kind of walked up, waited for Diggs to land, and wrapped him, game's over. If that safety shoves Diggs out of bounds, which would have been dumb, but – still would have forced a 50-yard field goal, and we would have covered. He, like, came flying in like a missile and missed by, like, a yard. I've never seen anything like that. Yeah, although I think he actually, like, hit his foot. I mean, it's such a game of inches, like, such a cliche. But it is. it was so, so close. He had no business going in that fast, but you could clearly, clearly in his mind, he was thinking... I'm going to end this game right now. I'm not going to let him get out of bounds. I'm going to be the guy. And, and not only did he not get digs, he took out his own goddamn player. He took out his own cornerback. It was, I felt horrible for him. Um, yeah, can't remember his, last his, his name was like Williams or something. Um, poor guy. But uh, no, that was a, that was an all time gaffe. And conversely, you know, one of the greatest plays in NFL history. I mean, that was, I mean, that was, you know, like, like the Tim Tebow play. It was the most, it was more remarkable than the Tim Tebow play. It was just like kind of a, the Tebow play was more remarkable because of just the situation. I mean, it was almost like, I mean, honestly, I can't believe I'm saying this, but like, I mean, the David Tyree catch and just in terms of, Oh my God, I cannot believe that just happened. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think it was such presence of mind from Diggs. So he goes up to catch the ball. He knows the safety's behind him. He makes a great play on the ball. He's probably expecting it cracked. Why he, how he knew not to go out of bounds and to like quickly cut up field, which he started doing before he landed, is just so impressive. Amazing. He must have seen the guy fly by him while making the catch and realized he could cut up field or just felt it. Because he's got to be thinking in his head when he goes up for that ball, two feet out of bounds, two feet out of bounds, two feet out of bounds, let's kick this field goal. And he just felt it and knew to go up field. It was so cool. It was incredible. Uh, Loved the celebrations too, the delirium. It was just great. Uh, I mean, I must have. I was just thinking, like, God, like to be at this game right now must be just incredible for for an incredibly snake bit franchise that hasn't. I don't think they've ever played in a Super Bowl. No, maybe they did. I don't I know. All I know went. is that they've. Yeah, 
uh, but they've you know, must have been really cool. And to think that you know now they're just one win away from you know having it back in their Super Bowl. I'm definitely a Vikings fan this week. Even if yeah. it wasn't the, I'd be a Vikings fan. No, for sure. They're uh, I always love teams that like should have lost. You know what I mean? Like there was some yeah. year in the NCAA tournament. It was Trey Burke's Michigan team, and Trey Burke had to hit like a thirty footer as time expired to like send the game to overtime and like a, I don't know, elite eight game. And he hit it and they won that game. They won the next two. And I just remember being like, so in on them. Like, like if you ran, if you looked at it statistically, when he had to make that shot, they had like a fifth of a percent chance of winning the tournament. You know what I mean? Like something crazy. Like he has to make a contested 30 footer just to force overtime, just to get through the elite eight. And he did it, and they got all the way to the championship. And it's stuff like that where, like, if you – like, the Vikings should have lost. They almost are out on, like, their second life. Like, there's, like, this cool, like, animosity to that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, if there's a god, <laughs> he's a Vikings fan. <laughs> he's a Viking. He's a Norse god. Um, yeah, that was amazing. Uh, I actually didn't see it live because I had to go to dinner with a friend. But, uh, you know, I watched the replay, like, ten times. Wish I'd seen it live. That's Such so a great good. game. Yeah, and, like- you know, I feel my heart goes out to Breeze. Um, just, I mean, if the if Williams makes, you know, if, if he just like happens to go a little bit higher, takes Diggs's legs out, Breeze is going to an NFC Championship game. It just completely changes the narrative, and it's you know we are we're all saying like, yeah, of course, like Case Keenan wasn't going to be Drew Breeze. Drew Breeze is a first ballot Hall of Famer. You know, it's or like there it already would have been you know being billed as you know a you know a surefire uh, you know. Brady versus Breeze, uh, you know, Super Bowl matchup, um, but just, you know, it just didn't happen. It's just so, so many things are, we would like to pitch it, I think, as a, as a quarterback league. It is a quarterback league, but there's so many more things that go on. You know, there's, it's a, you win with the team, um, and so many things are beyond your control. And it just, you could just, you did everything possible in that second half. Yeah. Uh, and they, I think the Vikings defense itself. is awesome. And they, you know, they shut down that run game of the Saints largely. And it was just on Breeze, and they made Breeze work. I think the Vikings' D is incredible, but Breeze was still just so good. And, you know, they get the ball back. It's 23-21. I think there's, like, you know, a minute 50 left or something, and he has, like, one timeout. And you're just, like, positive he's going to get them down the field, and he just worked them down the field. I almost felt like they should have took, like, I remember thinking when he threw that out to Snead, um, you know, you maybe should have like run this ball, like make the Vikings take some timeouts. Like your kicker can nail a fifty yarder. Like, I completely agree. That was that was a low key huge play. I think you really got to play chicken with that field goal. Um, I mean, I'm sure the Saints would have taken before the game, eleven seconds left, and they have the ball with no timeouts at their forty. But you know, it, it just kind of tough and. Just for someone who can move the ball so effortlessly, it's always tough to like then watch them lose. Like you feel like something happened that shouldn't have happened, but yeah, for so especially after so many years of just toiling away on a team with just horrible offense. I mean, talk about a team's you know star masking deficiencies. Brees has been doing that his for almost his entire career. Um, now they finally you know had the defense. They had they had you know the running game. You know they had all the pieces. You know I hope they I hope they come back. They will come back. I mean this team is built. I, I already pegged them as probably like my favorite in the NFC next year. Um, Kamara was excellent as you know as always. Um, yeah. He's such a dud. 
uh, you know, Malcolm Brown. No, it's not. It's not Malcolm Brown. What's his name? What's his last name? Michael something. Michael Thomas. Yeah. Yeah. He's such an just, average you know, name. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Two like <laughs> first names. I hate people with two first names. You know, he played. You know, he's like already. I think like on pace to. I think. I think he like. Yeah, he's on pace to be like an all-time great receiver. Um, you know, the pieces are in place there. Yeah, absolutely. But the, the moral of the story, Gump, is that we have four quarterbacks left in the NFL playoffs. Tom Brady, Blake Bortles, Case Keenum, and Nick Foles. <laughs> Who could have predicted? Yeah, like how did we not see this coming? <laughs> two of them – were both of them – I think two of them were on the the Rams last year, right? Keenum and – Were Keenum and Foles – no, I think Foles had left by then. Oh, Fol- that's right. There's somehow what? two Jeff Fisher Rams quarterbacks – Blake Bortles, who's the 70th best quarterback in the NFL. and then <laughs> Sims has been getting a lot of shit for that. <laughs> he, got, he got lit up on Twitter. Um, That's a but he explained, he, I stand he by that it well. He explained it really well I, on the Levitard show today. He was like, uh, you know, look, like I, I, like I made that take on the Dan Patrick show. You know, like the context that was, I was saying the Jaguars are the best team in football. They just don't have a great quarterback. And, you know, and you look at like the throws, the, the degree of difficulty that Blake Bortles, you know, has to work with. It's extremely, extremely low. So, like, I think he was kind of tacitly acknowledging that Blake Bortles is not the 70th best quarterback in the league. He was saying that, like, the point was the Jaguars are fantastic, you know, in all facets of the game, except for the most important one, you know, the guy behind center. What I'll say is I watched a lot of Chris Sims because I was a big fan of those Tampa Bay teams. He is better than Blake Bortles is. Like, he was definitely better then. And I think if you gave him, like, eight months to get in shape, I'd probably still rather have Chris Sims than Blake Bortles. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's that's my bullet, Blake Bortles Give him a bulletproof vest for the, for, the, uh, you know, for the spleen. Yeah, he he does. He is minus one spleen at this point. But I don't remember those Buccaneers teams having a ton of offensive talent around him. No, um, he had no line. It was a classic, like, talented quarterback gets hit all game ekes out 180 yards, you know, gets shit on by his coach in the media. It was just terrible. Yeah. He felt yeah. bad for him. Yeah, yeah, He was all right at Texas. He was he was a very smart, heady, not as not exceptionally physically gifted quarterback. But, like, I mean, look, I mean, if Case, if, if Nick Foles and, and uh, you know, these other bozos, oh, I don't <laughs> think they're bozos, and these other, I mean, it's, it's like being a quarterback, it's, like to think of it as just like you're either good or you're not, but it's so context driven and it's so like, you know, what else can your team do well? What deficiencies what deficiencies can, you know, that team mask with your game? You could absolutely, you know, have you know, uh, you know, been an effective quarterback if just like, you know, his spleen hadn't di- like exploded. <laughs> yeah. That's also kind of a, a big neon flashing light to get out of pro football, right? You get hit yeah. hard, you get rushed to the hospital. If that's if that's an option, broke. if that's an option, uh, I want no part of it. Even if it's like you know only happened once, uh, that is just t- absolutely terrifying. And then he kept, stayed in the game. Yeah, good God. Yeah. Um, all right, but let's talk. Uh, let's talk these games. So the lines are Minnesota minus three and a half at Philly, and New England minus nine and a half home for Jacksonville. Gump, what are your uh, what is your pick for the Minnesota Philly game? Hmm, this is a very good line. It is. Um, Both these lines are good. Yeah, yeah. No, um, this one I'm going Minnesota, but 
but I'm not going straight up. We'll get to the tease later. This is such an obvious teasing week. Um, but anyway, yeah, no, I I like Minnesota here. I think I know. I think uh, they're the team of destiny. I think uh, I think the run pass option worked on the Falcons partly because the Falcons run D wasn't you know lights out, um, and so they really did have to respect it. You're not running on these, you know, on the Vikings. Um, you know, even with that offensive line and Jay Ajayi and Legarrette Blunt, like it's you're those guys are they don't need to you know stick eight people in the box to defend you. I think they're going to completely just let sit back, let Nick Foles beat them. Um, I think it's going to be a bit of a rock fight um, because the Eagles' defense is still fantastic, as we saw. Um, I could see it being you know. I would have loved if it was three. If it was three, it would have been like it would have been you know much easier. I could see it being a three point four point game, but I'm taking you know I'm taking Minnesota here. I totally agree with everything you said. Um, basically, Philly's whole offensive game plan was dependent on them being able to establish a run against Atlanta. Because once they could run the ball, I mean, they did, it's not that they ran the ball for a ton of yards. It was that Atlanta had to respect the run, and the plays the Eagles did that had any value were always play action, run pass option you know, let them load up the box. Like, everything flowed out of that run game. Um, And for the Vikings, who have, like, a top-five run defense in every capacity, um, that's they don't have to load up that same way, and they won't let the Eagles establish that run the same way. I'm also going Minnesota minus 3.5. I also think it's going to be a rock fight. Um, You know, I, I think the Eagles scored 15 last week. I'd be surprised if they got to that number again against a better defense um, when Foles had two weeks to work on the game plan last time and gets one week this time. Um, you know, I think I think this Minnesota team, you know, I think God smiled on them and they're <laughs> I think they're coming with a vengeance. I mean, basically, so my, both of my picks for the round, like I'm going to take Minnesota minus three and a half. I'm going to incorporate a point line over-under tease. So right now, the over-under is 38.5 for this game. I would take the over if pressed, but my favorite bet for this game is the tease of Minnesota plus 2.5 and, and over 44.5, or under 44.5 points. I like that. Um, 44 is a big number. 44 is the, the biggest key number in football, so I definitely like that. So yeah, I mean, I just, I think this is, you know, real low-scoring game. Um... And, you know, I just see – I think it's going to be close. I think this Eagles D is good enough. Like, I don't think the Vikings are going to blow them out or anything, but I just think when it comes down to it, the Eagles are going to really struggle to move the ball. And Case Keenum is solid. He's got Diggs and Thielen, who are just both really solid receivers, really good receivers. And I think, you know, that coupled with the best defense left, I think gets it done. Yeah, not saying they're going to win outright. Which is why I'm not taking that at three and a half, um, you know, and I'm going to tease it. I really like that tease you just had. Um, I might, I might join you on that one. But I think if they lose, they don't lose big. They don't lose by more than four, you know. And I'd be fine if they lost. If I lost a tease because you know they lost by four, like on like you know going down to you know last possession, I can live with that. Um, I just, I, I really believe the thing I'm most sure of in this game is that Philly isn't going to score more than I don't know. 17 like I just don't see them scoring and if I don't see Philly scoring I'm going to tease with the under and I'm going to grab you know as many points as I can with Minnesota agreed 
I think we're in alignment here. Um, should be a really good game. I mean, will not be the feature matchup, although low-key, <laughs> like, neither of these games are that... Like, I don't think either of these games are going to be as good as, like, Minnesota-New Orleans was last week. No, the NFL is, is uh, bumming right now. Yeah, because, like, I mean, you've got this game between, you know, Case Keenum, who's, I guess, now Minnesota's starter, but, you know, came into the season their third-string guy, basically, and, you know, Nick Foles, who's their Philly's second string. So you've got two backups playing, um, and then you go to the other side, and you have Brady, you know, playing against Blake Bortles, which... <laughs> can't believe you just said that sentence. Uh, I can't get it through my head. I was writing that those, my notes down for the four quarterbacks, and I wrote the name Bortles next to the name Brady, and I, like, literally stopped. I didn't, like, laugh. I just, like, stopped. I felt, like, frozen. I was like, I was not supposed to write these two names next to each other. No. Indeed. It's, it's so nuts. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so that's that's my thoughts on this game. So, New England-Jacksonville. You know, I guess I'll let you go first. Cause I, or, no, I'll go first for this one. I'll go first. I really wanted to take Jacksonville plus nine and a half. I really did. I feel like this Jacksonville team... I mean, Coughlin's the president. I know he's not the coach, but he has a lot of influence into how this team is set up. And it's set up a lot like those... Giants teams, especially that first Giants team that won the title, where it's just like a front four that can get pressure all by itself, people that can cover, guys that hit, defense that makes plays, you keep the other team, you know, low scoring, you establish the run game, you eke out what offense you can. I mean, he'd love to have Eli Manning instead of Blake Bortles, but the framework is there. And the one negative I would say about New England from last week's game is that they let Brady get hit. And that's kind of happened all year. Like, Brady's taking hits. And, you know, I don't think they've played a great front four yet. So there's a world where Jacksonville hits Brady like three times in the first two drives. And this becomes a close game for a quarter and a half. And I was going to build my whole Jacksonville argument around that point. If they hit Brady, you know, they establish the run, you know, Brandon Cooks has gone missing. The other great Jaguar corner locks up, you know, Amendola. It's all on Gronk. They double Gronk, like, who's left? But I, I just, I can't, I can't take Blake Bortles in this game. They've so overachieved already this year, the Jaguars. And I, I just, I, I have so much faith in, in Belichick to, not only figure out, you know, an offensive game plan that can get 24, 28 on the board, 30 on the board, but just to neuter an offense that's just Leonard Fournette driving into a line and Blake Bortles. Like, that's just, I think they might not even score 14 in this game. Yeah. So I'm on New England minus nine and a half uh, for my straight up bet. My tease is going to be New England minus three and a half and over 41 and a half points because I'm going to tease it down from 47. Hmm. Interesting. So those Interesting. my bets incorporate the over-under. I think the Pats win because they can put a lot of points on the board. And I think the Vikings win because they basically shut out the Eagles. Yeah. Uh, yeah, That's you You said a lot of what I'm thinking. Um, the If there was a team, I, I think, 
I almost think the Pats would have rather played the Steelers here than the Jaguars. Um, you look back, there's some numbers. When Brady gets hit, you know, one time or less, he wins 85% of the time. Between two and three times, he wins, you know, just over 75% of the time. If you hit him four plus times, then it's, you know, he only wins 62% of the time, which, by the way, is still insane. But, like, yeah, that's the formula is there. You, you got to hit him. And the Jaguars, they were second in pressure rate this year, despite blitzing the least amount. Um, so, you know, they get, their front four gets pressured on you just about as well, you know. Yeah, not that's the Giants magic. You rush the and you hit them. It, Exactly. It's the, this is the team that um, that I think this is at least the defense that uh, that they you know the Pats least wanted to match up with. Um, that said, you're I can't I can't, I can't pick the Jaguars here. I won't. I can't. I won't. If I was a professional analyst, I might. Um, I could see this being a close game. I could see it almost being like kind of a slog. I'm not sure what the weather's going to be like in New England, but I mean, no one ever threw for you know. It's it's certainly no dome. I could see it being you know maybe like a 17-14 game or you know 2016. Um, but I'm not a real analyst, which allows me to to go with an emotional hedge here. I'm gonna take I'm gonna take the Pats, and I hope that I'm wrong. Um, I think, you know, I think I could see Belichick just completely, you know, take it because the, the Jaguars have been sneaky bad against the run. I think there were like 26 and like DVOA run defense this year, um, despite, you know, being great at pass rushing. So I could see him just sort of stacking the outside with his, you know, his with, with his ridiculous corners um, and just daring, you know, like dropping, dropping back just about everyone in pass coverage and just having, you know, Blake Bortles to pass through you know defensive schemes that he couldn't you know possibly fathom um yeah i think matt patricia is you know they the pats have been these are some crazy numbers i saw today they haven't you know allowed a 300 yard passer since week seven uh you know and their four starting defensive backs have all have pro, pro football focus grades of, of 80 or higher which you know i put a lot of stock in those grades they've i think they heard the narrative on them early you know when they uh the ship was a little shaky, you know, beat against the Panthers or the Chiefs. Um, was that they have like an all-time bad defense? I don't, I'm not saying their defense is elite, but they're not bad at all. And I think they've been getting better, um, and, you know, and they're, they're trending in the complete right direction. So I, I think, you know, in Foxborough, I think they win. I think they win pretty comfortably. But I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be surprised if it is, uh, if it's closer the nine and a half. I mean, I was the tease I was thinking of is that you, depending on the number you get, you would tease the pass to something like minus two and a half, and you tease the Vikes up to minus uh, plus three and a half. Yeah. I think you can get like a six point or six and a half point tease there. I feel com- I, I feel very confident with both of those. Yeah, um, totally agree with what you were saying. Like, I think we both agree this could be a five six point game, four point game, seven point game, and the Jags line could cover. But I just I don't see a conceivable reality where the Jaguars win. And this is exactly what I said last week. And it's exactly what Tom Coughlin wants me to say. But <laughs> I just I can't take Blake Portals and Foxborough against Brady. I can't. I can't and I won't. Um mm-hmm. those pro football focus grades you mentioned, that's a really cool service. Um I went to the Sloan Sports Conference, which is like Daryl Morey, who's like chief nerd of the NBA nerds, hosts a nerd conference for sports nerds mm-hmm. in Boston and, you know, uh, just all sorts of analytic services show up. And I got to listen to Chris Collinsworth uh, talk about pro football focus and kind of how it works. Cause he invested in the company like 
way early on. And, and they, like, literally have people uh, watch, like, every game, but then they watch for, like, one player on every play they played in. So they would watch, like, everything Malcolm Butler did on every play, and they give it a grade. They're like, oh, you know, like, it's easy to grade. Like, he got thrown at, and he deflected it. Like, great, it's a good job. But they'll be like, he was on the weak side for this running play, and he helped in, like, you know, <laughs> two points, stuff like that. They're, like, so scrupulous with it. Um, so those grades matter. And, like, having four good corners matters if they try and spread them out. Yeah. And, you know, and they got to, I think they sacked Mariota eight times. Like, this is not a bad defense at all. Um, yeah, they really pulled it together. Yeah. Um, they're trending in the right direction. And, you know, as in, yeah, I agree with you. I, I put a lot of stock on those pro football focus numbers. Those guys are... Way too much free time on their hands. Um, you know they know what they're talking about, and it's like you, you can judge a defensive back, you know, by you know by interceptions and you know passes deflected, um, or just you know the stats of the, the receiver he lined up against. But like you're missing, you know, at least half the story. And so I I think this is a good defense. I think that this is a very good defense. Truly, I mean the the 300 yards passing I think is really impressive considering the Pats. You know. Their their modus operandi is to go you know the, to go up early on you and so you're you're forced to like abandon the run and pass. Um, I think I think Belichick is going to you know to figure out not that it's hard he's going to just come out with the like the hardest possible uh, you know defense for to for Bortles to find success against and I think it's going to work. Yeah, I mean I think I see this game being something like. Thirty-one seventeen, you know, something like I don't know, twenty-four seventeen, twenty-seven seventeen, something where like the Patriots win convincingly, but there's like six minutes in the game where like the Jaguars hit Brady and get a punt, like they might do something, and then there's like a three and out from Bortles, and you know the Pats are are big on like if they're up twenty, if they're up fourteen, they just sit and prevent, let you walk the ball down the field slowly, so they might get a garbage time touchdown. Mm-hmm. This is a uh, Blake Bortles specialty, I might add. Yeah, he loves that garbage time. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean that's uh, that's where I stand. So your teaser was New England to minus three and a half or three or two, depending on what kind of teaser. Get him to have. under three. Yeah, I think I think what I let me. Uh, no, I won't go to what I actually did. If you but go I seven think, point, it would be New England two and a half, Minnesota plus three and a half. That's what I did. I think so, and that which got me. I mean, I think you're making. I think I had like a twenty dollar bet. I'm making something like fifteen, so you can make decent money that way. And I think those are pretty. I, I, I like. I actually like your tees more, but I think that's how I would go. I was almost thinking about going the reverse. What do you think about going the reverse and going like Jaguars like plus sixteen, just going like just crazy like that? Um, just close. Yeah, just and or like you know in Eagles, you know ten and a half or something like that. I was I was considering that too. I'd be more in favor of that with the Eagles just because I think that game's going to be a rock fight and, like, a three-point lead in that game is, like, a 14-point lead in a different game. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, I do like the teaser with the underdog play where it's, like, all they have to do is just be mildly competitive and I win this. Uh, yeah, you start so far in the money. Yeah. <laughs> so you're starting with, like, 16 points. I just – I think the odds of the Jaguars winning or – you know, the Pats eking it out by, like, one or two. I think that's way less likely than the Pats blowing the doors off this Jaguars team. I mean, this team, like, we'll talk ourselves into them because we have all week, but this is a bad team. This is a team that scored 10 points against Buffalo, like, at home. Like, and I know they just took a shit on the Steelers, but the Steelers team is bummish. Like, I, I really think 
a lot of the reason the Jaguars did well in that game is that the Steelers were looking at the Patriots and not that Blake Bortles is actually good. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. And, yeah, and just, you know, a, a series of just the most unfortunate events possible, you know, happened early on that just really turned the tide of the game. Um, no, I'm with you. This team is – I don't want to – you don't want to be too myopic and, you know, be like, you know, the Jags barely beat Buffalo and be like, they suck, and then they beat Steelers and be like, they rock. They're somewhere in between. I think yeah. we know what they are. I think they're a very talented team, the best defense, second-best defense in the NFL, maybe the Vikings, with – uh just a really, really, really shaky quarterback. Um, and, you know, an un, besides Leonard Fournette, you know, questionable skill position players. Um, yeah, I agree. Yeah. And then you got the Patriots on the other side. Like, I'll, yeah. I'll take the Patriots. And, then, you know, and I hope I'm wrong, as I said. I hope yeah. I'm wrong. I don't that think I am. Establishment. Um, so, one thing I want to ask you. Oh, actually, I have a couple of uh, props Ooh. for the faithful listeners because um, I blew my teasers during the uh, line round. Um, so two props from the Minnesota Philly game, actually. So if you agree with me, this is going to be a rock fight. This one, I wouldn't bet unless you're like, I don't know, really feeling frisky this weekend. No points in the last two minutes of the half is plus 200. So the scenario would be someone tries their two minute drill. It fails. They punt. The other team makes a half-assed effort at it and runs out the clock. Um, which whenever you're betting on the less fun outcome, like everyone cheers for points in the last two minutes, whenever you're betting against the fun outcome, you know, it's more likely, you know, you're more likely to get a better deal in my opinion. Uh, even though casinos always make money on both sides of the props, but anyway, no points in the last two minutes of the half, you know, I don't think either of these quarterbacks are going to be like ripping the ball downfield against the defense. Uh, you're basically betting on a failed two-minute drill, and at plus 200, I'll take that. Um, the other one, the, the prop I'm a big fan of, a field goal will be scored before a touchdown, and you get even money on it. So basically, hmm. it's so much easier for an offense to gain 40 yards of field position than it is to get in the end zone. Once you know you compress that field to 30, 20, 10 yards especially with these two teams that are, like, really stout, strong defenses that take pride in, like, not giving up touchdowns. It gets so much harder to make plays, and I just totally see it being the case where, like, the game starts punt-punt, you know, the Vikings get it, they're on 35, they get three first downs, the drive stalls out, they kick a 40-yard field goal, or vice versa. Like, that just, to me, seems so much more likely than a team rips down the field and scores a touchdown. Um, Again, you're betting on the less fun outcome here, but... I actually think that's a good chance to make money on the field goal before a touchdown bet. I like that. I like that. Yeah, you don't bet to have fun. You have you bet to make money. Um, what's <laughs> After the other the loss side? last week, I'm trying to be frugal here. I'm trying to pick winners. Yeah. What's the um? Uh, what's the alternative? Is it is it plus 100 either way? It's even. So they always give you shitty odds in the props. It's even for the field goal to happen before the touchdown. It's minus 130 for the touchdown to happen first. I like that. I would think of, I would definitely consider that one. I think yeah, I think it, starting out like defenses have the advantage, like offenses are trying to figure out and just not make mistakes. I think especially when you have two quarterbacks who are really trying not to make mistakes. Um they're just going to kind of like push the ball back and forth and I think points are going to be at a premium, so yeah, I think uh, I think coaches are going to be eager to, you know, just be they they would be thrilled 
to get a field goal. And there were uh, like there were like seven field goals in that Eagles Falcons game and one touchdown. Like, yeah, I like that one a lot. I can't believe it's I can't believe it's uh you know yeah. the odds are stacked in that way. The odds way. look broken to me. Um so that's that's my favorite prop. Uh I guess my favorite over under is the Mi- Minnesota plus two and a half, you know, under four to four and a half uh combo. Combo teaser. Mm-hmm. Um, so last thing I want to ask you, unless you had another teaser or prop to roll out. No, I'm, a, I'm all out. We'll end on this. So I checked the, uh, the Super Bowl odds. As we said, you should have jumped on Pat's minus, plus 210 last week, because now they're minus 115. <laughs> um, and that's basically a result of the Steelers fucking up. So the Pats are now, like, favored to win. Like, Vegas thinks it's more likely the Pats win than anyone else wins at this point. Um... The other odds, you have Minnesota plus 220, Philly plus 650, Jacksonville plus 700. Can anyone beat this Pats team? Like, is there any realistic shot if I pick one of the three long shot teams that they end up winning this thing? Absolutely. I think that's absolutely. Um, Likely, no. But, I mean, I think if Jacksonville, I, I think I see Jacksonville, I don't know. Yeah. No, I think absolutely Minnesota. I think this team is, they're like, uh, you know, they got someone, they, they're the team of destiny, and they're going to be playing at home if they make it. Um, I think they will. I think they're going to beat the Eagles. Um, and I think if the Jacksonville beats Patriots, then you're suddenly, you're the hottest team in the NFL. Um, you've completed, you know, you're one of the most unlikely Super Bowl teams since, like, you know, the 2007 Giants. I think... Yeah, I think you stay away. Uh, I mean, the fact is, like, honestly, again, like we always do, I'd still probably go with the Pats there because I just think that they're such a relatively they're a sure bet. But I like I would go Jacksonville plus 700 maybe, and I would certainly take a look at that Minnesota line. Yeah, um, I agree with you. To me, the Minnesota line is the best line. Um, I just I can't bet on Blake Bortles. And if he wins the Super Bowl or he beats the Pats, like whatever, I just can't do it, and I won't. Um, the Minnesota line is very tasty to me. You look at, I think there's two ways to win a Super Bowl, or like really, you know, like make a deep postseason run. One is with like a stellar offense that's usually going to be run by a quarterback, right? Um, and you can name any number of Super Bowl champions that did it that way. And the defense is either really good or decent or you know, kind of fine and can make some big picks and big moments or something and like swing momentum or you get there on the strength of an awesome defense um like you think about the first time the seahawks won russell wilson was doing about as much as case keenum is doing right now um you look at you know when peyton manning won the super bowl with the broncos like he was doing vastly less than uh case keenum is doing right now because peyton manning at that point could throw the ball about 35 yards maybe yeah. <laughs> yeah. and You know, like, if you have a defense that can hold the other team to 17 and will force turnovers and constantly gives you the ball at the 40, the 45, like, it makes it so easy to just go get touchdown after touchdown offensively, even when you're crappy. I mean, the Bears got to the Super Bowl with Rex Grossman, and he's probably worse than Bortles. He's probably somewhere in the Bortles range uh, for how good he was. They did that because they could run the ball and they had the best defense in the league. Like, you can build a team that way. 
and you look at the Vikings, their favorite to come out of this week, the probably the most likely Super Bowl matchup is Vikings Pats. For the Vikings, you get a game at home. You have an elite defense that can totally swallow the run and can get pressure, can do everything. You have big guys, and you know I think part of the way to beat a team that loves operating the slot like the Pats is to hit the shit out of the slot guys the first time they catch the ball. Like that that Seahawks Broncos Super Bowl when the Seahawks beat them like fifty nothing. The first play of the game, the Broncos snapped out of the end zone, which was hilarious. But then, like <laughs> the next the next offensive play they ran, it was like an underneath pass to Demarius Thomas, and I vividly remember this. Cam Chancellor came up and knocked the absolute shit out of Demarius Thomas, and like it's Super Bowl. Demarius wants to make plays, but he's human, and like he can't keep running over the middle and catching the ball and getting creamed for three yards. Like he's going to eventually not want to do that, and he'll drop it. He won't run the route crisply. Whatever will happen. That shit sends a message, and if you're looking for a way to beat the Pats, I think it's the Vikings' defense. Yeah, I mean, on top of everything you just said, that was some good analysis. Just looking at just value and just being completely dispassionate about what's on the field, just looking at the lines, the Vikings are, you know, they're favorites this week, and they're, they're widely viewed to be favorites should they advance in the Patriots. I think, like, the, like the consensus look-ahead line would be Vikings minus one. Um, really? Yeah, the that would be the game. opening line. That's where a lot of that's what a lot of books have said they're going to do. So you're getting you know you're getting a team favored to win the next two games, you know, at a good price. Um, so you know if you want to, this might be one of the few times I go against my you know I go against my rule and you know and pick a future. This is I think that's a good value right there. I would go with the Vikings if uh, you know if forced to. Yeah, you could also bet bet the Vikings money line this week sit on that line because I think the public is just going to... Like, the public can't handle Case Keenum being good. I think they'll bet on the Pats in that scenario. Hit the Vikings later. Like my oh, yeah. the, the, the line is not going to stay there, by the way. It'll open there, and then there you can see, clearly see it's going to go towards the Pats, and then it's going to be... Uh, you know, And it'll get balanced out by the Sharps. But that's where it's going to open at. Yeah. My advice to anyone who wants to bet Jacksonville, wait until game time. The public can't handle Blake Bortles being good. That line's going to be like 10 and a half before the game. So if you want to bet them, like, sit on it. Um, yeah, but, that's yeah. good advice. Yeah, that line could very well get to 10. That's a that's a huge number. Like, I know all I said this. Like, I didn't give it any la- analysis. I was just like, I can't bet on Blake Bortles. But I can't bet on him. He's terrible. And that's what everyone <laughs> says to themselves. And that's why this line's going to move. <laughs> I know. I know, man. Yeah, it's like, it's just, I... I hate to lose money. I hate, like, it's why it's... it's I mean, that's how Vegas gets you. You're just, you, you routine... Yeah, you cut out a bit. Oh, all good. You were saying that's how Vegas gets you, and then I missed your uh, I missed your follow up. Oh yeah, oh, Vegas Vegas gets you because they rely people reliably uh, the public reliably bets on favorites and overs, and it's just it's just not it, the favorites don't always win. Um, so yeah, I can't do it. While I can't, you know, take the number at least as it stands now. Like I could, I think it's a. It wouldn't be crazy, you know, if it for it to go to ten, and you would be, you would, you. I don't think it's a bad bet to get them at ten. For sure. All right, man. That's uh, that's all I got. You got anything? That's all I got, man. Cool. Let's uh, we'll happy watching this weekend. Let's try and get. We'll definitely do a Super Bowl preview pod. Hopefully, get Kurt involved, even though he's been yeah, MIA. Jesus. 
Kid's been ducking us. Kid's still just, you know, locked in his room, bawling his eyes out over those bills. Yeah, he's having a... <laughs> I called him out. He's like, I'm sorry, I can't come. You know, I got to do work. I was like, dude, you very clearly still mourning the Bills loss and just can't handle yeah, right. it and then can't talk football. Work, sure. <laughs> I'm like, you work in, what is it, insurance consulting? I'm like, what really changes? Like, you already ran the model. Yeah, no, it's I kind of do the same thing. It's boring. <laughs> it's boring, nothing changes. I was at it five today. Yeah, right? Like, you know is, you know where my priorities lie. Clock in, clock out. Exactly. Um, anyway, that's all I got, man. Thanks for coming on. We'll do it again before the Super Bowl. Can't wait, man. See you soon. All right, take it easy. Later. That does it for my podcast with Tyler Gump on the NFL Divisional Round Fallout and Blake fucking Bortles and all that bullshit. And uh, our Championship Round Preview. Um, couple good bets in there for the fans. I mean, even if you don't, like, love betting, it makes the games way more exciting. Um, so that's my endorsement for betting. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think, uh, I think this will be a good slate. Um, thanks for listening. I'll try and get another pot out later in the week. Um, hopefully on some NBA stuff. We had a great slate of games on MLK Day. Maybe I'll get Nick or, or Ben or both on to talk about it. Um, yeah, just a stellar run of games. Hopefully get a pot out on that. Uh, I've got an article idea brewing, and it may come to fruition this week. It may not, because uh, I'm flaky. But, yeah, thanks for listening. Take care. Tune in next time. Throw some stars on the iTunes review, maybe. I saw I had seven reviews. I'd love some more. They were all five stars, though. It's just solid. Um, thanks. Take care.